A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. Hey, Desi, what's up? Uh, not much. How are you? <laughs> well, before we think our. Well, let's just thank our patrons first. Oh, okay. We got some new patrons, because I can never say that word. I'm very patrons. sorry. Patrons. Why do I always want to be like patron? Because you're French. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm going to thank them this week. We have Justin, Paige, Frank, Richie, Porter, Sarah, Dawn, Paula, Raul, or Raul. It's, there's no U in it, so I'm confused but I hope I said it right. You can yell at me. Um, Whitney, Tiffany, Samuel, and Samuel. That's it. Thank that you was guys. a lot. Yeah, thank you yeah, guys. Thanks so really much. appreciate it. So. so first thing, I have a couple of things up top. Okay. The first thing I want to talk about is probably the saddest thing I've ever seen. The saddest story I've come across probably since Dear Zachary. And that is Desi's Instagram story. <laughs> From this past week. <laughs> a couple days ago, might have been yesterday, I don't know. It's all been a blur since I saw it. Oh, wow. Desi posted a step-by-step process of her baking bread. <laughs> and I'm flipping through these videos that Desi's posted, all in chronological order of this process. Right. From the rising of the dough to the kneading of the dough to the baking of the bread. And finally we get to this final story and it's the bread and it's baked and it's gorgeous and it's golden and it has a beautiful crumb as Paul Hollywood (laughs) would say from British Bake Off. But it has a caption (laughs) and the caption on the picture of the baked bread says, and I'm not going to eat the bread because I'm on a diet. (laughs) I fell apart when I read that. It was the it was a tragic story. That bread takes a long time to make because you have to let it rise naturally, so it takes like fifteen hours. I know it's tragic. It's but I have to tragic. Bake, I have to bake a lot because I'm not eating bad foods, but I still like baking because it's very soothing for me. I, I get it. I'm a baker too. So, so I then get I just it. give it away to all of my people, and I have had several people say, "I'll take some of that," and it's like, "Well, fuck you. I don't know you." <laughs> But yeah, so hopefully. No, I get it. I bake too for You stress. know what? I, I, I was trying to figure out Instagram stories because I hadn't used them ever. Right. Because the process frightened me for some reason. Uh, and then I'm trying to figure it out. And now I'm sort of into the, the cooking ones. So yeah, I, I like them. them. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like fucking ripped my heart out, but I really like. <laughs> well, I'll eat again. I mean, this is just a temporary thing, hopefully. She's not doing a lot of carbs right now. Yeah. I okay. mean, I'm, yeah. She's eating. She's just not doing right. a lot of Don't carbs. Right. Don't worry. I'm not starving. I'm not eating those Kim Kardashian, no suppre- appetite suppressant lollipops. <laughs> that was enraging. <laughs> yeah. Very. So the other thing I wanted to bring up is I finally watched Evil Genius this week. Okay. Desi and I briefly talked about it on Twitter about Marjorie Deal, who this story is essentially it's about. It's her story. It's basically. her story. Yeah, the, she's the evil genius. Is she a genius? Though? Well, I didn't see a, a lot of evidence that she was a genius. I'm just look. 
I'm just saying, sure, it's like you hear the story on paper. She got all these men to do her bidding, her evil bidding. Right. But when you see the men, it's not as impressive as it sounds. There it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can see wanting to have that skill, but I would try to pick top tier men for it. Like, these men did not seem that hard to trick. No. And if you have a name like Cocaine Ken, first of all, as someone who was probably referred to a lot as Cocaine Barbie back in the day. <laughs> I was very disappointed in how not hot Cocaine Ken was. Right. I mean, that's not living up to the potential of Cocaine Ken. Right. You can't call yourself that if you, you gotta look like that. You got to think he's even like, he wasn't, he's not even like John Holmes hot. No. <laughs> like it's just nothing. He was just really sad yeah. looking. They were all sad people. Really sad. Did you, so you liked it though. Of I mean, course I good. liked it. It's I, only four episodes. Right. I, I knew the case. I actually had just like a week ago before the show came out or whenever it was like a week before the show came out, I actually had listened to a podcast about it on Case File. Do you know that one? Yeah, I do. I sometimes listen to that podcast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's aight. Um, and so I like was really like it was fresh in my mind, that story. Yes. So there wasn't any like twists or turns for me about how it was going to go. Right. I knew the story too. Except for the last episode with the woman who was talking right which I felt that was really cool that they got that interview yeah that was interesting yeah I mean I wasn't really surprised no one was likable except for her she was the one likable person definitely in the whole thing I think um the other interesting thing that I was reminded of recently is that there was a movie based on this that was like a black comedy oh and it got they got in trouble because it was called 30 minutes or less I pulled it up but it's like it's Jesse Eisenberg and Danny McBride. I mean, it's insane to me that they tried to make a dark comedy out of that story. Yeah. It's Do you know what I mean? Pretty like, tragic story. It's not an exact retelling, but it's definitely based on the most identifiable aspect of that story. Like, right. That it's a pizza delivery guy, Who has a bomb strapped yeah. to him. Yeah. Right. But just dark comedy. And I'm all for dark comedy, but I just feel like this one is too. Come also, on. Jesse Eisenberg, a lot more fuckable than... Oh God! I mean, anyone in that's that's a glow that's a glow up glow up casting right, if I've ever right, seen one. Right. So yeah, I watched that. Uh, did you like it? Yeah, of course. I mean, I like any like true crime thing that comes on Netflix. If it's remotely well done, I'm gonna be in, into it. Right. Usually, the only time I don't like a true crime documentary is when it's just really low budget, right, or something like that. And even then, I might still if the story is good. Yeah. Enough. I'm, like, very new to the Duplass Brothers fandom. Okay. Like, I just became a fan of their work ever since I saw their horror movie Creep, and okay. the re- and th- which is a great movie. It's on Netflix. The reason I like it so much is because there's penis in it, and I feel like there's just not enough penis in films. Okay. So I want to give them a shout-out for that. Cool. Right. Yeah, I'm hooked. I tweeted that, actually, and one of the Duplass Brothers liked the tweet. Oh. So I'm just bragging right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> um the saddest name drop ever was, <laughs> i want to i just want to i just want to like put that out into the universe that right. i like full frontal male nudity in my <laughs> in my media and they did that so thank you okay should we get to our main story yes i'm excited desi yes when you think of the greatest lines in cinema history would you think of things like, here's looking at you, kid, from Casablanca? Would you think of, life is like 
a box of chocolates. <laughs> you're, you never know what you're going to get from Forrest Gump. Right. Or do you think about your mother sucks cocks in hell? <laughs> of course. You, Rachel, come on. I personally <laughs> think that that is one of the greatest lines in all of cinema. Yeah, definitely. The, I mean, it's right up there with like, would you fuck me? <laughs> I'd, I'd fuck, fuck me. me. <laughs> so anyway, we're talking, we're going to be talking about the Exorcist film and the alleged curse that surrounds this film. We've done uh on this show before, we've talked about Poltergeist and that movie curse. We've talked about The Omen. So now we're going to be talking about The Exorcist. Uh, Exorcist is pretty much considered by, like, film critics, I guess, I would say, like, all across the board, like, the best horror movie of all time. It was actually the first horror movie to be nominated for Best Picture, and it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. It took home two. Ellen Burstyn was nominated for Best Actress. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's so good. I love her. She's such a good actress, and she's so good in this movie. Um, I basically, I watched the movie over the weekend, or over the week, to, like, get reacquainted with it, and I hadn't seen it in, like, forever. That movie's fucking terrifying. It's really good. I don't know how it came out in 1973. Like, it I, blows my it mind. It took me a really long time to see that movie in full. I think I had only Same. seen it on cable, so it's, like, severely edited. And then, right. um, I can't remember, maybe five years ago, it was re-released in theaters, and I went to see it finally for the first time. This, and I was yeah. terrified. I yeah. was, like, scared. This was my first time, I think, seeing it in, in, in its entirety, not on TV, heavily edited down. Right. And I had to turn it off halfway through at one point. <laughs> it's really scary. It's fucking terrifying. Like, some of the imagery in it. I was actually looking, because uh, I was, like, just doing, I was, like, looking at all these, like, fun facts about the movie, and... I saw what how they almost like the makeup they almost used for Reagan when she's the demon. Right. And it was so not fucking scary. She's kind of like a werewolf. Yeah. So I'm really glad that they went with what they went with because right. that is like chilling. I mean, I mean it's an iconic image. It's iconic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Okay, so The Exorcist was actually originally a novel. It was a best-selling novel and the novel was actually based on a real life, I'm putting that in loosely, saying yeah. that loosely real life, but it was a real life newspaper article uh, ale- that this case allegedly happened. In 1949, a 14-year-old boy known as Ronald Doe had been possessed by a demon and was successfully exercised by the demon, or of the demon, by a team of priests in the town of Mount Rainier, Maryland. According to Ronald's family, he began experiencing symptoms of his possession after the death of his aunt, who was a spiritualist who had given the boy a Ouija board to play with. Now, (laughs) sorry, I didn't even know they had Ouija boards around in that long. Really? I just mean, they're old school, but they're made by Parker Brothers. Well, not all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't like a thing before Parker Brothers. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. I mean, it's like an old. Well, I don't know how old, but I mean, yeah. Okay. It's been around forever. All right. Like there are hardcore versions. It's not just like the board that it you was fold like up. A, was it, I was wondering, was it like a, did they like gentrify Ouija board? Basically. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. 
So he, uh, I guess this guy, this kid was close to his aunt who was like super spiritual. Right. They just describe her as a spiritualist, whatever the fuck that means. But she gave him this Ouija board and he was into it. And actually in the movie The Exorcist, Reagan is playing with a Ouija board in one scene. So this aunt dies and then the boy starts to experience possessions, changes in behavior and such. The family also described strange noises in the house as well as furniture and objects moving, vases flying around whenever Ronald was around. So Ronald was taken to a psychiatric hospital in St. Louis, Missouri to be cared for by both doctors and priests. One of the priests who aided in the boy's exorcism was Father Walter Halloran. He was called to help by another priest, Father William Bowden, who had been treating the young boy. The boy would go into a seizure and get quite violent, Father Halloran told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in 1988. And Father Halloran also said that he broke his nose at one point during his one of his violent fits. Ronald broke his nose. Yeah, the uh-huh. little boy. So like just how Reagan in the movie is violent right. towards these priests. This kid was a little shit. Or the demon possessing him was a little shit. The demon was an asshole. (laughs) He didn't care about the priest. (laughs) He was a real handful. Uh, The little boy also allegedly would have markings that would appear on his body. Okay. Like the words hell and evil. They would just sear out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like in the movie when it says help me. Yeah. On Reagan's stomach. That's creepy. It's so fucking creepy. I mean, I feel like those are like those words are really over the top. Like, there's that's just like so on the nose to say hell. If you're a demon, don't right. you want to say something maybe in Latin so it's a little more cryptic? You just straight up right. say hell. Hell, I'm a demon. <laughs> Boo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, there is this weird thing where I do feel like demons are smart, but maybe they aren't. Maybe he got a stupid demon. Yeah, I mean, not a very on. creative one. We don't know. Totally. It could be all levels. I mean, mine might just say like. Chalupas, yeah. please. <laughs> Feed me chalupas. In 1949, the Washington Post ran a front page story. I could not believe that this made front page news. Right. I mean, I guess to be fair, back then people were even dumber than they are now. Well, I don't know. <laughs> this is something I wonder about all the time. Like, I mean, have- it's an interesting story. You're right? right. I guess so. I don't know. Whether or not you believe it's really true it's interesting the story that someone of would itself claim. is true is interesting right i think right uh-huh. but it was front page news of the washington post and the story said priest frees mount rainier boy reportedly held in devil's grip this article caught the attention of writer william peter blatty who was a student at georgetown university at the time the article described the manifestations of the boy's possession this is a quote from the article The boy broke into a violent tantrum of screaming, cursing, and voicing of Latin phrases, a language he had never studied. The final rite of exorcism in which the devil was cast from the boy took place in May. It was reported, and since then, he has had no manifestations. So they cured him, and he went on to lead a normal life. Cool. So, yeah. But, uh... As I said before, uh, the person reading that article was William Peter Blatty, and he would go on to write the novel The Exorcist, which, as I also said before, went on to become a bestseller. Right. Let's talk about The Curse. It was then made into a movie. Um, This book was wildly popular, and the 
the the filming of the Exorcist had to be delayed because the set of the McNeil's home, where mm-hmm. the most of the a lot of the film takes place, it caught on fire, and it seemed pretty mysterious. The director William Friedkin said he thought it was a pigeon that might have flown into the wiring and messed it up. Uh-huh. So that's not that weird or creepy, but the creepy thing about it was that everything was destroyed except for Reagan's room. Oh. That was left untouched. That is creepy. Yeah. That's weird. Right. Okay. Another thing that happened during filming was Ellen Burstyn injured her back when Linda Blair struck her down in a scene. And that is her real scream of pain. Right. In that scene. It's the scene right before she turns her head around for the first time. Mm-hmm. She like strikes I her to the ground. That, yeah. I mean, it is a blood curdling. That movie is scream. is physically violent. Like you it's could tell violent. that the actors are really in it, and they went through it. Those mm-hmm. actors. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't like a full on Kubrick, like abuse right. your actors situation. But I did read some things where William Friedkin did kind of push them right. to the limits to sort well, of to get to make reactions. it look real, there's almost no way, other way to do it, I think. Yeah. You know? Like, so Ellen Burstyn still has back problems to this day. Like, that fucked up her shit. Right. Once basically. you injure your back, it's really hard to recover. Oh, my God. Totally. Also during production, Jason Miller, who plays Father Karras, was randomly approached by a preach, priest while he was having lunch, lunch, and the priest said to him, reveal the devil for the trickster that he is. He will seek retribution against you, or he will even try to stop what you are trying to do to unmask him. Look, <laughs> I don't like when anyone interrupts my lunch. <laughs> but if a religious person came up to me and started talking religious stuff to me while I was eating lunch, I'd be fucking furious. Right. I mean, that's a pretty insane thing to say to somebody and i would not remember exactly what he said like that no i don't even remember what i just said and i just (laughs) said it so this was sort of like the foreshadowing like ooh, Ooh, yeah don't film this movie yeah nine people connected to this film died before it was released and that includes Jack McGowan, who plays Burke Dennings in the film. He died of a heart attack at the age of 52 just before the film came out. And Burke dies in the film itself. Right. He plays the drunken director. He's yeah. hilarious. It's yeah. a fucking hilarious part. He's like shit-faced. I love the, the Hollywood movie. aspects. Like totally. her life as an actress. <laughs> right. Right. I wanted to see more of that. Uh, everyone's asking her for her autograph. Right. Okay. This is fucking crazy. So the voice of the devil in the film, the one who says my favorite line, your mother sucks cocks in hell, that's done by an actress named Mercedes McCambridge. Right, I know who she is. That voice is fucking terrifying. Yeah, she's she's a great actress. Yeah, she's she's, won an Oscar. Right. And she's like a stage actress too, I believe, or she was. Yeah. So she had a son named John Markle. John... Markle and his family moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, where he was VP of Stevens, Inc. and worked as a futures trader. On November 16, 1987, at 2.30 a.m., Markle put on a Halloween mask and went upstairs where his two daughters... Wait, what year? 1987. So this is like like 15 years after the right. movie came out. But this is fucking creepy. Okay. I mean, 
And she had, I would consider Mercedes Markle, that's a pretty big part in the film, even though you don't see her face. Right. She's, she's the voice. Part, yeah. She's the voice mm-hmm. of the demon. So this is a story about her son. So her son, John Markle, put on a Halloween mask and went upstairs where his two daughters and wife were asleep. He then shot his 13-year-old daughter, Amy, four times. Next, he shot his nine-year-old daughter, Suzanne, five times, and he shot his wife, 45-year-old Christina, three times. He then phoned his attorney, Richard Lawrence, and told him to come over, which has to be the worst you up in history. Right. I'm just curious why he was wearing a Halloween mask. (laughs) Since he wasn't trying to like... It's so dramatic. Right. It's so extra. (laughs) I mean, and this is like 16 days after Halloween. Right. I mean... What are you doing? Yeah, it's crazy. Put your turkey mask on. Okay, so he calls the lawyer... He calls the lawyer and is like, dude, you got to come over right now. John then went downstairs to his study, sat down at his desk, and wrote a note. And this is what the note said. Let it hereby be stated as true that I, John L. Markle, murdered my wife and two children, Amy and Suzanne, then committed suicide myself. My wife had no knowledge or part in this. I think the evidence shall so provide. That is really formal. Right. It's like he's writing a contract. Right. The party of the first part. <laughs> like what? I got confused. Just, just so, I mean, it. no one, everyone's going to believe you. Right. No one thought your wife was in on it. Like, oh, right. you just have to we say it. it. We're, not gonna, all you. we're not going to arrest her. Like, right. she's safe. She's dead. Like, come on. Like, Well, and also then he shot himself in the head. Twice. Right. I mean, it was nice of him to be worried about her reputation, I guess. Like, I mean, just so formal. Yeah, the writing of that is very formal. You'd think you'd be a little more emotional during that moment. Right. That you wouldn't be all, I don't know. You'd forget all the hereby's and the commas. I never heard that story. Yeah. I didn't know that. So he shot himself in the head twice with two different guns. What? Which is crazy to me. Did he just graze the first time? Right. And then, oh, I better use this gun. Bring out the big gun. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. So when his attorney arrived, because he told his attorney to come over, he arrived at 4.15 a.m. I don't know what took him so long. He found John Markle dead in his study with the note and the Halloween mask covered in blood. So pretty grim scene that he's walking into. Also in the house was a VHS tape of Friday the 13th that was found in the VCR. Like this guy just went all out to be as creepy as possible. Yeah. That's weird. What do you put like a cobweb in the door <laughs> yeah. frame? One of those Halloween mixtapes where it's like creepy sounds. <laughs> <laughs> the creepy door. So weird. It's like honestly, like I'm not trying to give this guy tips, but if you're gonna do it, do it on Halloween. Like, come on. Like That's what I'm saying. It's like, like if you're gonna go all fucking creepy, come on. Or wait till next year. I don't know. Well, Desi, he he was going through some shit. Okay. Clearly. Yeah. The motive for the murder-suicide turned out to be financially related. Right. And mommy-related, too. Oh. He had some mommy issues. Mm -hmm. So it ties back into his mother. A 12-page letter found in John Markle's home detailed his disdain for his mother. Wow. He claimed that Mercedes McCambridge was basically responsible for all his problems. I read some of these 
notes that he had left and it was like I tried mother I tried to be your perfect little boy Ugh. and like stuff like I was never good enough for you and you were a famous actress and da, da, da. like just these weird right mommy didn't love me and Barf. yeah and so John was a bad boy though he did some bad things or some dishonest things I guess that got him into some financial trouble basically he had like embezzled money uh-huh. or cheated money from his company right. by like funneling it into some fund for his mom. And then when he got caught and fired at his company and like he had like lost like $4 million or Was something Was she still crazy. alive when this happened? Yes. Okay. He told her about it and was like, mom, I need help. I need money. And she's right. like, no, you fucking got yourself into this mess. Yeah. I'm not giving you money. And I'm your good boy. I'm your good little boy. So basically, he was pissed off at that. So he's going to write this scathing note to his so mom. This, uh, this note that they found, the right. additional one. Another thing that was found was, you were never around much when I needed you. So now I and my whole family are dead. So you can have the money. Funny how things work out, isn't it? He showed her. <laughs> God, like... I'm so... <laughs> There's nothing that irritates me more than men who kill their whole family because they fucked up financially. Oh my it is god! It's like the most enraging it's fucking so baby. Selfish. It's so selfish. It's like kill yourself, jerk. Like fuck <laughs> off. Like right. god. Ugh. Even then, it's like oh, so you're leaving them with all this pain and debt. Like, uh, but that's the the better alternative. Oh, like, it's I better. Mean, right? Come on. Ugh, fucking it's so irritating. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I have had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. 
With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. So another person connected to the film was involved in some murder. And this is fucking creepy. In the scene where Reagan is undergoing various tests at the hospital, William Friedkin, the director, decided to use real-life tech Paul Bateson in the scene. So this guy's playing one of the hospital okay. techs when she's going through like the x-ray right. and shit like that. Though Paul only appeared briefly in the film, he went on to gain some infamy when he was arrested and convicted for a 1979 murder in Manhattan. Paul picked up film critic Addison Verrill in a gay bar in Greenwich Village and took him back to his place where they had sex. Paul then beat Addison with a skillet and stabbed him in the heart, killing him. What? <laughs> Have you ever heard of anyone outside of a cartoon beating someone to death with a skillet? No. Also, how did that escalate so quickly? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Like how, I mean, not that murder ever really makes sense, but something like that seems so not planned. Like, do you right. know what I mean? Right. Like a stranger murder to me is very odd when it's related to like a sex, you have sex and it's like a hookup. Right. Um, well, was there any, did he have a reason for what happened? No, he didn't have a reason. And this wasn't necessarily an isolated incident either. So... <clears throat> It could have just been he's a fucking crazy serial killer. Right, right. So basically what Paul did after he killed Addison was he dismembered him. Oh, boy. Yeah. This is very uh, Michael Alec. He dismembered this guy. Then he put him into plastic bags and dumped them into the Hudson River. And while Paul was awaiting trial at Rikers Island, he bragged to the other inmates about the other gay men that he had picked up around town and killed. During 1977 and 1978, at least six bodies were found in plastic bags, all chopped up and mutilated, and one of the bags washed up in New Jersey. So when this guy confessed to murdering this film critic guy, they were like, oh, he must be responsible yeah. for these six other murders. Oh, damn. Yeah. Like, this is a serial killer case. Okay. Unfortunately, there was not enough evidence to convict him of the six murders besides the one he confessed to so he was only sentenced to 20 years and he was released in 2004 and he lives in upstate new york wow yeah isn't that crazy that someone yeah. who murdered someone like at least one person probably six other people is just like a free guy yeah hanging out how does that happen i don't know so he was just a random extra almost border like one step above in the movie. Right. Like he's not like you can see him. You don't have to like pause right. it and look for him. Yeah. He plays like a tech. 
So once again, William Friedkin was inspired by a real-life horror story, and so he went on to direct the 1980 film Cruising, which starred Al Pacino as a cop who went undercover to solve a string of murders of gay men, much like the bag murders, as these plastic bag body part murders were called. William Friedkin even visited and interviewed Paul Bateson in prison during the production of the film. Wow. Yeah. So... That's kind of that's crazy. Interesting. He might have even uh, it would like some people said like oh he like helped with a lot of stuff, like as a as like resource a, for the movie. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Obviously, Desi and I are not old enough to have seen The Exorcist when it came out in the theaters, but this is one of those movies that has so much of the movie is attached to the lore of when it first opened and the audience reaction and just the country's reaction to this film. Right. I remember before I, long, long before I'd ever seen the movie, when I was a little kid, I had a babysitter who was old enough to had, she had seen the film when it came out when she was a teenager. And she told me that she ran home. After, like from the theater she was right. fucking terrified like she wanted to get home as quickly as possible after seeing it and that put like an instant imprint in my mind of what kind of movie right. this was right like my mom i talked to my mom today i was like did you see it in the theater she was like oh god no no people were terrified you're fucking terrified but conversely because there was so much hype around how scary this movie was people were also so pumped about it and this movie sold out everywhere right like you could not get into a showing there were lines it was like Star when Wars. When I saw it five years ago or whenever that was, it was also sold out. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think because a lot of people had never seen it in the theater. Right. You know what I mean? Like, And it does make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you... Seeing a movie in a theater when you have a good audience makes all the difference. Yeah. Like, Especially it for can... something like that, I think. Like horror movies in particular. Oh, yeah. I love seeing in the theater. I saw my favorite movie going experience ever was in 2011 when Scream 4 came out. Okay. And I'm a huge fan of that whole franchise. I love those movies. And I was like, I went with like me, my friend Jules, and like 10 gay guys. Like we were all in a play together and we all went to go see Scream. And we went to go see it at the Arclight and the entire theater was packed and it was all these people dressed up like men dressed as in Gail Weathers drag and men dressed in Drew Barrymore drag and like it was like they were like it was like diehard scream fans like we went to go see it opening at midnight yeah that I I mean like that movie was scary scream 4 was scary but it's also hilarious because it was a scream film yeah so everyone is roaring with laughter while we're seeing the movie. I mean, it was just so fun. Yeah. Like, and I rewatched, I actually rewatched the movie on like Netflix or whatever, like a couple of years ago or some streaming site a couple of years ago. And I was like, I wonder if it's going to be as good. And it is. The movie still holds up, but I'm convinced that like that made me love the movie like as much as I do. Yeah. I was, I mean, like it's really, yeah, it was, such a good experience like it really does make all the difference so I can only imagine seeing a film like this which already is such a good film whether you're watching it by yourself or with a bunch of people I can't imagine like 
how crazy that must have been in these packed theaters. Yeah. Especially like... Especially back then where you're not oversaturated with horror. No. Like now we have so much. It's hard for me to find a horror movie that actually does anything anymore. Right. Like, right. And and also like the thing that trips me out about this movie <clears throat> being so old is like the stuff that's in the movie. Not just the language, but like her stabbing herself in the pussy with the crucifix. Right. That's fucking hardcore. Well, this movie also had like a lot of like what would be considered like viral campaigning, like word right. of mouth type stuff. Right. Because I think it was banned by the Catholic church. Or like, Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? It had like all those things where it was like that marketing where it's like, you'll be too petrified to leave. Like, oh. you know what I mean? People are screaming and leaving the theater. Right. Like it had all of that kind of, you know, I, yeah, I think it's also coming after a period of horror films in like the sixties and the late sixties that were definitely like a little bit more, I mean, there were good ones, but it was like, there was like more cheesy and kind of campy right. type horror. And this right. was definitely more real, like a Rosemary's Baby type. It deal, was shocking. You know what I mean? like, it was shocking. And Rosemary's Baby, while it was shocking for the time, has nothing on this in terms of shock. Well, it wasn't horror. Rosemary's Baby isn't like hardcore horror. Well, it's you not like I mean? hardcore gore, I would say. I would say right. it's a horror movie. I mean, it's a horror movie in like a thriller kind of like subtle more subtle i think psychological like, yeah it's like a psychological horror film right. rather but than this is fucking this is scary insane. and monster even though the devil is in rosemary's baby this is more i don't know it's, it's different yeah it's it's different. it's different and it's more of a shock screaming like i didn't scream in rosemary's baby <laughs> or oh, like yeah. get petrified like it's yeah creepy. i had to did like last this weekend i had to turn it off halfway through i'm like right. i need to watch this in the daytime the right. rest of this and i did i was like this is too fucked up right now i can't handle it and yeah this was i mean i don't know if someone film twitter fucking correct me if i'm wrong this was like an early example of like viral marketing and how they really capitalized on that they really they, I watched a 20 minute compilation video of stuff from the 70s it was like a promo video for the movie that came out in 1974 and it was basically interviews with theater goers and news clips from right. 1974 shortly after the movie came out of like you know the movie that's shocking the nation right. and all these interviews with people like there was this one girl who was like, I couldn't tell if she was laughing or crying or just really high, but she was like nestling in her friend's like bosom, basically like, I almost passed out, man. Right. That movie was, oh my God. Like, I mean, they do that today all the time. Like they, you know, I remember when, um, paranormal activity first came out. Right. It's like, don't tell the secrets, right? Like, don't like, tell us. Yeah. The trailers for that movie is just the audience reaction. Right. And they're all like, whoa. Yeah. In the audience. I actually never saw paranormal activity. I did. I, did I actually like was, it? I did like it. I got physically ill because I can't take handheld camera films. Uh, yeah. Like they make me sick. Right. I, um, so I could only open my eyes during the scary parts and it was scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone actually did faint in the theater when I really? saw it. Yeah. And they were and like the, an ambulance came. They Holy didn't die or anything. Shit. Yeah. And I, that was, a, that was like maybe the last time I saw a movie where it was like this scary experience. I went home that night and I was petrified. Whoa. Like I kept thinking about, cause there was like an alternate ending that was even more, 
scary and I read about it before I went to sleep. Nice. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I relate. And I could not go to sleep. That's how terrified it got me, that yeah. movie. I don't even know if it's it might be a stupid movie. It could have just been my mood and I was like alone in this house and right. like you know what I mean? Like it was like all this combination and stuff. Right. Things. Right. But I was terrified when you night. psych yourself out like that yeah yeah it's just like a spiral. i don't even know if it's a good movie like quite honestly i can't even remember what it's about and well, i never saw yeah. any of the other versions right well everyone loved it it was a huge hit and right. everyone loved it here's my thing i love horror movies but i will not go to see any movie where there are reports even just rumors of people passing out or fainting it's no there's no gore in it but it is creepy that movie I it's one wanna... of those movies i feel like would not hold up for me if i saw it again right like, I feel like there's a lot of horror movies that fit that bill for me. Like, there's oh, yeah. very few that I like. But, like, Exorcist right. and Rosemary's Baby, like, classics, they hold they'll hold up. Right. But these ones that kind of have this huge splash and then they make five more yeah. to capitalize on it, they're just always sort of like a Blair Witch type thing. Like, you know. Right, right. Like, eh, okay. I saw Blair Witch in the theaters. I saw that in the theaters, too. That actually was, is, was such an example of that hype before the movie came oh, out. right. Totally. Because they're... I was 13 when that came out and I was so fucking stoked on seeing that movie. Me too. I saw it opening weekend or whenever with my best friend. We were fucking pumped because no one really knew. This is like before like a lot of internet like right, you know definitely. stuff. So like no, there was all these rumors that it was no, this is real. Yeah. And that was like the first big mainstream found footage movie too. Yeah, definitely. There wasn't really any of that. So there were all these rumors circulating like, oh, this footage is real. This is like, this really happened. So you're kind of like, wait, is this? Is it not? And it was just like a mind fuck seeing that movie because I had never seen anything else like it before. Right. I really liked it. And now it's like such a, I mean, it's like beyond parody now at this point. Yes. Like, I think I liked it fine, but I wasn't blown away by it. Yeah. I don't know. I might have seen it too late. I also think I convinced myself that it after I saw it, that it was scarier than it was because I had hyped myself so much about yeah. it. Where I was like, yeah, it was really fucking For me, good. scary movies are a lot of my expectation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if I go into something overhyped, I'll tend to buckle up and be like, they're not going to scare me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm like, the expectation games really fuck with me. Like, yeah. I almost want to know nothing about a movie before I see it. Right. But um, yeah. I, I, I'm in that camp too. Like, I... I don't watch trailers of movies I really want to see anymore. Right. I like knowing nothing about it. I didn't know anything about A Quiet Place before oh, right. I saw it. Yeah. I muted A Quiet Place on Twitter, so I didn't read anyone's fucking dumb jokes about it. So. Crunch, crunch. Was <laughs> <laughs> oh, she going to open up a, a wrapped candy? <laughs> what happens when she has to fart? I saw that joke I saw that like a hundred times. times too and yeah. I was just like okay I don't want to see this movie like it did make me not want to see it because it's like well now I'm going to think about that the whole time <laughs> that's why I had to mute it because then I read all the dumb lame Twitter jokes afterwards and I'm like well yeah. I don't know if I like the movie so much anymore yeah I mean, it was good. Yeah. It was very tense. I like those tense movies. But if, like I said before, if there's a rumor that a movie makes you pass out when you watch it, I won't see it. And I'll see some fucked up movies. But for some reason, that is like the horror movie line for me. And even like... I'll see it if it's like a scary pass out, but not a gore or fucked up like human centipede pass out type thing. I'm like prone to fainting. Okay. Like I've... I'm prone to that. And I'm prone to like losing like lightheadedness and shit 
So I, that's like, no, I don't, I hate that feeling. Yeah. Like I didn't see 127 hours for that reason. Oh, right. Yeah. Because that's something I can't do. That's too excruciating. I can't. Um, I still haven't seen Goodnight Mommy, which the only reason I haven't seen it is because people said they passed out when they watched it too. Oh, okay. I'm not Someone convinced me that I should watch, some, someone, one of our listeners convinced me that I should watch that movie because I actually really want to see it. Okay. Yeah. Do it. Okay. So, (laughs) okay. So back to the exorcist and the phenomenon. So this promo video is from 1974. It was taken at the Westwood theater. A lot of it, like the beginning of this video, which is in Los Angeles, a theater in Westwood. It's not called the Westwood theater and theater employees are describing the fainting customers, um, how they've never seen anything like it before. One girl they show is crying after leaving the movie. And one girl said she fainted 10 minutes into the movie. And I'm like, what? how'd you faint 10 minutes into the movie? Nothing happened yet. Right. She got herself worked up. The first 10 <laughs> minutes, they're like on an archaeological dig right. in Iraq. Yeah. Why'd you faint, Shelly? <laughs> trying to think of a 70s name. <laughs> Shelly's good. Okay. Does that work? Um, Calm down, Deborah. <laughs> Calm down, Misty. <laughs> Come on, Karen. Don't be so dramatic. <laughs> um, so it was kind of crazy to see this old footage. And obviously, I loved all the outfits. Yeah, I love it. I love watching. 70s is probably my favorite era. It's so good. It's like, so I, good. I will always want to see anything from the 70s. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's some of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. The Especially horror movies horror from movies. the 70s are all amazing. Those are the ones I, I grew it. up with. I saw... Like, my stepmom showed me all the movies from when she was a teenager in the 70s. Right. So I got to watch all of them as a kid. So I, they have a special place in my heart, anything right. from the 70s. Yeah, there's so many good ones. Uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, people did. There was there was rumors about theaters having to hand out barf bags because people were also vomiting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, which reminds me, maybe this is really uh, inappropriate. Okay. But... I have a really good pea soup recipe that I felt like <laughs> that I felt like it's a summer cold pea soup mm. and I felt like posting it to uh, our Facebook fan friend group. Okay. If I'm anyone's it. interested, yeah. it's really simple. It's really healthy. So Desi, this is right up your alley. Mm-hmm. There is a vegetarian liquid in, liquid version. <laughs> There's a vegetarian version and a vegan version of it. So it's very versatile. Mm-hmm. I will be posting my recipe for cold pea soup. Cool. Whatever. It's better than it sounds. No, it is. It has mint in it. Yeah. It's really good. Mm. It's really no, I refreshing. love peas. I do too. I'm a fan. Like this movie. I love can't peas with me. mint too. A classic combo. It's a classic mm-hmm. springtime combo. So in February... Of 1980, a crime occurred that was tried to be blamed on the exorcist. Okay. Now, this is not an out-of-the-ordinary thing where people try and blame heinous actions on media, whether it's video games or the devil's, you know, the satanic panic of the Uh 80s with the music. Uh, This case is fucking heinous so trigger warning it involves um children Mm. just fyi 
In February of 1980, 25-year-old Patricia Frazier cut out the heart of her four-year-old daughter because she believed that the girl had been possessed by demons. Her defense attorney argued that she was mentally ill and that she was inspired by the movie The Exorcist, which she had just watched 10 days prior to committing the crime. But she watched the TV version of it. Right. So. How I mean, much did it fuck maybe you Maybe I'd buy, buy it if you watch the cinematic release. <laughs> right. Maybe you get a pass on this crime. Um, that actually worked because she was found not guilty by reason of mental illness. Really? Yes. Ugh. I mean. Can you even? That seems, I mean, yes, she is mentally ill probably. Right. But, but she should so also <laughs> never see the light of day again yeah, for that. Right. I mean, that's pretty gruesome. That's pretty awful. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the last little tidbit I have about The Exorcist is that I just wrote, Billy Graham was not happy with the film. Fuck him. No one cares. Bye, bitch. Now he's probably getting fucked with a crucifix by the devil. <laughs> Sorry. No offense. You know um, what? No. No offense. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan either. Uh, one thing I was reminded of when you were talking to me about Mercedes McCambridge is that I read once that the reason um, – that that uh, Linda Blair was expected to win the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Right. But it came out that Mercedes had done the voice. And they didn't like that. And that sort of put a damper or dampened her chances. But did they were really like, think that that little girl made that voice? I don't really know what they thought, but I, I felt like uh, it seemed unfair because she yeah. was the performer. Um, but I guess people were like, well, it wasn't really her, you know. So I, I just mean, remember that. I don't remember all the details of it, but I had like a vague memory of that being what happened to her. Like she was on the path to win, basically. Right. And then when I that kind of came too. out. Through like, uh, oh, well, it's not. Um, yeah. I don't really remember why it wouldn't have been known. Was she not credited? Do you know? Mercedes she... McCambridge originally? or No, the Pazuzu lady. Wait, that is the Pazuzu lady. She wasn't credited she so wasn't they didn't know credited. and then at some right. point it came out during the oscar campaign i guess i think she actually sued because she wasn't right. credited right but there was some debate about whether or and not they might have done some mixture of their voices or something it i'm not didn't sure sound human no it sounded I, I mean they did something to the voice for sure but mercedes mccain she has a deep voice but it's not that but that's still reagan's i mean that's still linda blair's performance She's mouthing the words. It's still her face. Look, it's still her body. Quite honestly, I'm fine with no children winning Oscars. <laughs> really? Yes. I feel like it's graded on a curve. Right. Honestly. Right. Like, I like, just wow, feel it's really good. It's for not a like kid. they're not good, but I feel like people are overly impressed. It's like when you hear a kid play piano, you're like, wow. <laughs> and it's like, they're not going to be a successful piano player. <laughs> you're just impressed because it's like a child doing something that's not that's adult. really shitty. Right. <laughs> I love kids. I'm not a kid hater, but I just feel like it's not the same scale. Like, right, right. So I don't know. Who do you think is the best? Child? I'm fine with honorary Oscars for kids. Like Judy Garland got one, right? Like they should have a separate category: best child performance. Or and I don't even know because you probably don't need it every year. But like maybe if there's a great performance by a young kid, right? I, I feel like it's fine if they're in the category, but I want them to be like on the same level of a Meryl Streep. I also feel like there is something about like kids where they're just able, if they're natural and not a child star, right. they're kind of able to get this performance that seems relevatory or whatever, like, like a revelation. Like, yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. In general, it's not like I think kids who have won are bad. No. But I'm just kind of like, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This is how stupid I am. If I was a 60-year-old actress and I was nominated for Best Actress and I was also up against a nine-year-old kid and I lost to the kid, I'd be pretty sad. It would be worse than losing to your peer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. All you have – look. All I'm saying is look at someone talking about a kid. When you see these kids and they're like, they're an amazing artist and they've sold paintings for $100,000. And you look at them and you're like, come on. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, like, like what are you guys that doing? Good? It's, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't buy art from a kid, but. No. No. I'm fine. Kids, you've won, whatever. I'm happy for you. But I think it's bullshit. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last kid who won something look to be fair Haley Joel Osment was really great in the sixth sense I think he was like six years old or something right but or was like part eight. of it like you like wow he was really good right I've I never know seen I know what before. you're saying yeah. right he was an unknown he's fucking adorable um I'm trying to think of like a kid's performance I'm not saying the performances aren't even good like I know that the Florida project the kids were talked about and then there was that um, one from, oh God, I can't remember the name of the movie. The little girl, Quijavane. Wallace. Wallace. Did she win? No, no she was no, just nominated. She was nominated for something. I, I'm not even saying Wild? she's the Beast of the Southern Wild. Uh, I'm not even saying that she wasn't good. I don't right. know. I didn't see the movie. <laughs> but I think part of it is like, oh wow, watching a child perform right. this really dark role that's it's really heavy insane. and moving. Right. You're fooled by your emotions. Look, I'm just saying. Right. You don't have to agree. Right. We all have opinions. No, I get it. I'm not an Oscar I, I'm voter. I'm genu- not taking down children. I'm genuinely <laughs> just trying to think of like like a role where I was like, holy shit. In general, when I'm mostly moved by a child actor, it's because they're not child actory at all. They just seem like a real kid. Right. So... I feel like right. they're just being themselves in a way. And they're just able to be natural on camera. Which is why I still want Corey Feldman to win an Oscar one day. Because <laughs> he should have as a child. You could see the pain in that kid's eyes in every but single role. But that's not acting. No, he I'm, really was in pain. Like, give him the Oscar anyway. He's earned it. He's been through enough. Um, okay. That was interesting. Yeah. I didn't know about those murders. That's crazy. I yeah. want to read about the um, the gay guy. The sex gay sex killer paul Bateson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. can i also just say that captain howdy as a visual is fucking terrifying <laughs> that's a woman really yeah i learned that oh, wow anyway uh like that image haunts my dreams there's a lot to haunt <laughs> um cool so if you want rachel's pea soup <laughs> recipe you can check out our facebook friend group on Facebook, Hollywood Crime Scene Friends, I think. Yeah. Um, and you can talk to us about this episode and other cases. And you covered. can weigh in on your favorite child actor performance. Right. You can tell me off, tell me I'm dumb and the worst host ever. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. I love I won't when we listen. get those comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I literally don't care. Right. <laughs> if you like me and come with me with constructive criticism, I will listen. Right. But if you come and say, Desi, you're the dumbest cunt ever, and you just say, look, I'm not dumb. I'm just a cunt. I'm just a cunt. Yeah. And now you're about to see that. <laughs> no. no, I'm sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and then we have Instagram and Twitter yeah. where we post things. Follow too. us on all of that stuff. And that's it. I that's think we covered everything. 
That's it. Bye. Bye. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.